Hello, and welcome to the One Link Podcast. I'm Amy, and I'm here with Brad. Hello, Amy. Well, today we're joined by our second ever guest. We did it, Amy. So we've got Trace with us today. Welcome, Trace. Hey, thanks for having me. I'm glad to be here. Trace, we wanted to invite you to join us for several reasons. First, we just love having you around. You've been a, a faithful friend and partner in the gospel, and we're just we're so blessed to work with you. And second, a while back, I heard you speak on the man we're talking about today, and I thought, we've got to have Trace come in and talk about this guy and join our discussion. Yeah, well, thanks again for having me. I am a, a big fan of today's subject, and I know that you are too, Brad. We're going to be talking about Adoniram Judson today. Yeah, that's right. Good old Adoniram Judson. We know him now as one of the first commissioned missionaries from the United States. Adoniram was born in 1788 in Massachusetts, and he was the oldest son of a Congregationalist pastor and was a really, really smart guy. Now, wasn't he admitted to Providence College? We know that now as Brown University, and he was only 16 at the time. Uh, if I remember right, though, at that point, he was really using his intelligence more as a weapon for self-glorification. It's all about what made him great. And by the time he graduated from Brown at the age of 19, he said he no longer even claimed to be a Christian. Yeah, you're right, Amy. And after a short attempt at operating his own private academy and even writing a couple of textbooks, Adoniram departed on this vagabond journey throughout New England. And it was really on that journey that Adoniram witnessed the death of his closest college friend, which arrested him, really, and carried him into despair. Yeah, and in that despair, he returned to the Word of God in search of meaning. And several months later, with the guidance of God's Word and through the power of the Holy Spirit, Judson committed his life to Jesus. That's right. And and very quickly after that, the stories of missionaries like David Brainerd and William Carey really captured his attention. Uh, yes, William Carey. We did a two-part podcast on him. Uh, I really love this part of Adoniram's story. I had to look up what Adoniram means because it's such an unusual name. It means, my Lord is exalted. And now that he surrendered to Christ, he's already practicing what it means to say yes to him. Exactly. So pretty early on after his conversion, Adoniram has this seed of passion planted in his heart. And it's a passion specifically for Burma, which is present day Myanmar. Wasn't there a problem, though? I mean, at this point, if I remember his story right, the American uh, church didn't have an organized uh, missionary society. Yeah, you're right. Judson's search for like-minded comrades bore no fruit, at least not yet. And so he applied for service through the London Missionary Society in England. But God had a better idea. As Judson was awaiting for a reply, he actually met five students at Andover Seminary where he was studying. And these students had been connected to the famous Haystack prayer meeting that had happened at Williams College in Williamstown, Massachusetts in 1806. And together, Adoniram and this handful of students petitioned the American Congregationalist churches to form their own missionary society. And they did just that. Yeah, such an exciting milestone in the history of missions in America. Yeah, so once the society was formed, the action happened fairly quickly. At their second annual meeting uh, in 1811, Judson and three others were appointed as missionaries. Yeah, this was a really busy time for Adoniram. Uh, after a few months of being, a few months rather, after being appointed, he married Anne Hasseltine in February 5th, 1812. And the very next day, he was ordained for ministry. And I I guess why delay? About two weeks later, Adoniram and Anne left America on a ship headed to India. 
Wow, that's quite a honeymoon. <laughs> yes, he was he was one of a few to board a ship as the first group of officially commissioned foreign missionaries from America. And what's interesting is that on the journey to India, Judson spent a great deal of time studying baptism, and eventually he came to the theological conclusions that aligned him more with Baptists than with Congregationalists. So when he arrived in India, he actually wrote a letter of resignation back to the Congregationalist churches and subsequently requested financial assistance from American Baptists. So in this way, he was really influential in stirring and uniting American Baptists to foreign missions as well. Yeah, we owe a lot to his pioneering spirit. We really do. So Adoniram and Anne, they made it to India, but they really weren't there for very long. After a short time, they relocated to Burma. And when they got there, they started working in language studies. And it took six long, difficult years. But then Judson finally baptized his first convert. But it was really just the tip of the iceberg. It really was. And here are just a few of the the stats, if we can use that word to summarize Adoniram's work. By the time Adoniram died in 1850, it was almost after 40 years of service in Burma. He had seen 7,000 Burmese be baptized. He'd seen 63 local churches established. At the time of his death, 163 missionaries, native pastors, and assistants were laboring in Burma. Today, the Myanmar Baptist Convention includes 3,513 churches and more than 600,000 members. And all of that was the fruit of the work that God began in Adoniram Judson. Hmm. I think I'm equally impressed, though, with Adoniram's labor and translation. In 1823, after 10 years of language study, I mean, he, he persevered in learning the language. He published the first edition of the Burmese New Testament. The Old Testament was finished in 1834. He also published numerous tracts and apologetic works in Burmese. I mean, these were going all, all over the country. And the fruit of his language work led to something that has become dear to my heart, the, the need for language acquisition when working overseas. Because of the work Adoniram did, stricter language requirements were instituted for Baptist foreign missionaries, and they saw great need for translation. Judson also led the way in establishing some, some key missiological principles, contextualization, cultural immersion, self-sustaining church plants, indigenous leadership, you know, all that are now so important to what missionaries are doing. You know, these, these have shaped the vision and methodology of cross-cultural missions since his time. Yeah, that's right. But I, it, I don't think it would be, uh, we wouldn't give due justice to Adoniram's story to not talk about the cost of uh, God's work through his life. The list of pains that he endured really matches the list of feats that he accomplished. You know, over the course of his 40-year ministry, he buried two wives and more than five children. He was at one point falsely accused of being a spy, and he spent 21 months in a brutal prison. And after losing his first wife and uh, his newborn daughter in a matter of six months, he nearly lost his mind. He fled into the jungle and he lived there in solitude for months. And many of the Burmese who knew him never expected to see him again. It's even said that he dug a grave while he was there in the jungle and he sat for days staring into it. There's journal entries that, that people have found. Uh, one of them says this, God is to me the great unknown. I believe in him, but I find him not. Wow. It, it's so hard to try to summarize someone's life. Uh, but when we think about the life of Adoniram Judson, it clearly teaches us that obedience may come at a great cost. But I think we can also look at his life and see that 
obedience is worth it. Yeah, through this great pain and suffering, Adoniram persevered, and God used his life to do more than he could have asked or imagined. And as I think about Adoniram's life, there's one story in particular that sticks out to me. And I just want to read an excerpt from you to you uh, from a book that Jason Dusing edited, uh, a biography of Adoniram Judson's life. So let me read this to you. In the year 1828, an event of vast significance took place. Having come in contact with the Karens, a race of wild people living in remote and almost inaccessible jungles, Judson longed for the opportunity of winning a Karen for Christ and thus reaching the race. This opportunity came to him through Kota Bayou, a Karen slave who was sold one day in the bazaar in Moulmain and bought by a native Christian, who forthwith brought him to Judson to be taught and, if possible, evangelized. Kota Bayou was a desperate robber bandit. He had taken part in approximately 30 murders and was a hardened criminal with a vicious nature and an ungovernable temper. Patiently, prayerfully, and lovingly, Judson instructed the wretched, depraved creature, who eventually not only yielded to the transforming power of Christ, but went through the jungles as a flaming evangelist among his people. The hearts of the Karens had been remarkably and providentially prepared for the reception of the gospel message by a tradition prevalent among them to this effect. So there was this oral tradition that had developed so that when Kota Bayou showed up, uh, it was really obvious that God's hand was at work. Here was the tradition. Long, long ago, the Karen elder brother and his young white brother lived close together. God gave each of them a book of gold containing all they needed for their salvation, success, and happiness. The Karen brother neglected and lost his book of gold, and so he fell into a wretched type of existence, ignorant and cruelly oppressed by the Ramis. The white brother, however, prized his golden book, or book of God, and so when he sailed away across the oceans, God greatly blessed him. Someday, someday... The white brother will return, bringing with him God's book, which, if the Karen people will receive and obey, will bring to them salvation and untold blessings. Accordingly, as Kota Bayou went on his unwearying preaching tours through the jungles, declaring that the long-looked-for white brother had returned with God's book, hundreds received the message with gladness. So within a a short period of time, I mean a century, but a short period of time in the grand scheme of things, the Karens would have 800 self-supporting churches and more than 150,000 believers. So there's something we can learn here. And I think what really stands out to me is that at the same time that God was stirring up Adoniram Judson to make Christ known, he was stirring up the Karen people to receive him. God was working in Judson's life and in the Karen people at the same time and in different ways. And then in his sovereignty, he brought them together at the right place and the right time for salvation and for his glory. And that's really incredible. And what I love about this story is that it clearly reveals that God is the hero in all of this, right? We know this, but I think sometimes we forget about that when we read about these stories of these great and fruitful Christians. We forget that salvation really comes from the Lord, and and this is His story. He's working out His plan to bring people from every tribe and tongue and nation to bow before His throne. And Adoniram was fruitful and influential and significant, mostly because he said yes to joining God in this endeavor. I mean, ultimately, our fruitfulness, our influence comes from how we relate to the Father. Either we can join Him and experience the blessing of His presence and work like Adoniram did, 
or we can resist him and he'll go around us and accomplish the good saving work that he intends to do anyway. Ultimately, God deserves the glory for Adoniram's life. Of all the traits that we see in Adoniram's life, the one that emerges as being most significant to me was his resolve. His resolve to maintain a sacrificial posture of submission to the will of God. And if it weren't for that, would we be talking about Adoniram Judson right now? I can really think of a lot of what-if questions when we think about the flow of Adoniram's story. Uh, What if he had not gone to Burma? What if he had gone home after his first wife and daughter passed away? What if he had not labored so intensely in difficult language study? What if he had not taken the risk on Kotabayu? Yeah, I think we can say Adoniram Judson had resolved. He was resolved that God was indeed at work. He was resolved that he had a role to play in God's work of salvation. He was resolved that he was going to have to sacrifice to be a part of God's work. And he was resolved, despite all the pain and suffering, that obedience was worth it. Yeah, that's what sticks out to me most about Adoniram's life. So as I think about his life, it really causes me to ask the question of myself, am I resolved? Am I resolved to put my yes on the table? Am I resolved to leave my yes on the table when it gets difficult? Am I willing to sacrifice in order to be obedient in what I believe God is calling me to do? And this isn't about stirring up guilt. I just don't think guilt is a sustainable motivation long term. What this is really about is stirring up the joy of being obedient to the God who created us and who has saved us. That's really the only sustainable long-term motivation. You know, these grim, guilt-driven, gloomy Christians, they're just not attractive. But people who have deep and abiding joy and freedom that comes from being obedient to God, even in the face of difficulty or sacrifice, that's attractive. So this is about devotion and not guilt. And I think it's important to continue to ask the question, too, of myself, God, where are the opportunities to make your love known today? You know, often if I'm honest, I forget to ask that question when life gets busy. I move from point A to point B and check things off my to-do list without really asking God to reveal himself in the process. It's easy for me to miss the people in the process. But I wonder if there isn't a Kota Bayou out there someone who God is preparing to use in great ways, and he's just waiting for us to come along and and make a gospel investment. I wonder if there isn't an atheist student in China right now sitting down in a lecture hall at this very moment questioning if the atheist agenda that he's been taught is really all that there is. I wonder if there isn't a young person waking up this morning in the Middle East who's had a dream of a man clothed in white walking on water, and they desperately need someone to interpret it for them. I wonder if my neighbor who's suffering silently is waiting for someone to come and point her to hope. Those are really interesting questions to think about and pray over. Yeah, and like you've done, I mean, there are questions we must ask ourselves. We've been saved and called into life with Jesus. And with that, we've been given the Great Commission. And we have to ask ourselves, like you did, will we be resolved? Will we be committed to praying, to pay, excuse me, to paying attention to what God has for us? Yeah. And then will we move out in faith, trusting that if God really is stirring our heart to go to our neighbor or to the nations, will we have faith that he's probably stirring someone else's heart to receive him? You know, I believe that if we live with resolve, if we pay attention, if we move out in faith, 
that God is going to lead us to that person or those people at the right place and the right time for his glory and their salvation. Absolutely. Now, unfortunately, that is all the time that we have for today. But Trace, thank you so much for joining us. And to all our listeners, thanks for joining us as well. And as always, please share your thoughts and podcast topic suggestions via email at podcast.onelink at gmail.com. Until next time. Until next time.